Well, kia ora whanau. Welcome to another Deep Dive on the podcast. And this one was a really, really fun episode to record. I got to sit down with Alex Favola. Now, if you've never heard of Alex, she is the CEO and founder of Runway Room Cosmetics. Uh, she is a hair and makeup artist by trade as well as a photographer. And she's also the author of the Silver Linings book. And it's an autobiography about her life, the experiences she's been through and what she's learned along the way. Now, Alex, she, she's always been into makeup, loved makeup, and she decided to transform her, her dreams, her, her, her passions into business um, and providing products that are ethical, that are uh, uncomplicated, and that are easy for everybody to use. This episode, we talked about her journey in that, as well as her journey and story in writing her book, uh, Silver Linings. So lock in. This one's a good episode. Alex is an awesome person, and I know you're going to love it. Alex, it's so good to have you on the show. Zooming in from Melbourne. Am I right? Yes, Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. How long have you lived in Melbourne? My whole life. Yeah, my whole life. So I'm a Melbourne girl, born and bred. Um, and I did, I did live fleetingly in England for a short time with my family when I was younger. But yeah, I've been in Melbourne my whole life. Otherwise, oh, I, I've um, I visited Melbourne in 2000 and. Oh, I must have been 17 or 18, and I absolutely loved it down there. I've got a good friend who lives there, actually. Um, and we did the whole bike riding around, like, the sports grounds and then down to one of the beaches down the road. I can't remember what it was called, though. You would be able to tell me. Um, St Kilda Beach? Yes. And had all yeah. the house, like, the um, beach house front things. I can't remember. Oh, Brighton Beach. Yeah, yeah. There you that's, go. that's where I'm from. That's Bayside, which is the area where um, we live. So, yeah, it's a lovely part of Melbourne. I wonder if Melbourne's similar to New Zealand, like, climate-wise. I mean, I think location-wise we're pretty equal in terms of Australia being here and yeah. New Zealand here. So I, yeah. I think I remember being over there thinking, oh, it's not that hot compared to, like, Brisbane. Yeah, we're definitely not as tropical um, – yeah, as, as the northern parts of Queensland. But we do get, like, we get hot summers. So we get quite cool winters and we get really hot summers. So it's good. I think that's what's great about Melbourne. People don't like the weather in Melbourne because we do, we can have, you know, four seasons in a day. Yeah. But I do love the contrast that you get a really cold winter and you can have a fire and rug up. And then in summer, you know, we get 30 plus degree days and you can swim. And yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, we, we when you lived in England, I bet you it was completely different. Yeah, that was one thing that I didn't like. I remember <laughs> kid, but it was just so miserable and grey and so cold. We were there in winter and, yeah, it was very, very cold and, you know, it was dark by 4 o'clock and it was just yeah, very different to what I was used to in Australia. Are you more of the warm weather kind of person? Like you definitely prefer summer you know that's yeah, survival. I, I ha always have been but I must say as I'm getting older I do appreciate the winters now like I used to hate winter but the last couple of years I'm like yeah it's time for a change and it's quite refreshing so yeah definitely mm. uh, appreciating winters more yeah let's be honest I mean right in front well behind my camera here I've got my fireplace and now living room and there's nothing better a eh? fireplace on movie on middle of winter you know like there's exactly. nothing can beat it you know yeah it's so cozy and that's yeah that's the sort of side of winter i think so you know it's comforting and homely and yeah mm. so like i i really i'm really glad i've got you on the show alex because um one of the coolest 
things or, or areas that I love talking to is people who have been in, you know, what would you call it, entrepreneurship, you know, who have decided I've got a passion. I want to start a, you know, maybe a business around that passion or build something from the ground up, you know, really taking, because a lot of people have, you know, and a lot of people listening have dreams and, and things they want to do, but there's always that, well, how do I get there, you know? If I'd mm-hmm. have told you, say, 20, 30 years ago, that you would be, you know, runway room, you'd be the founder, CEO of a really successful business, would you have believed it? Would you think, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to do? Or maybe back then it was not even on your radar? Um, no, I, I did always have that dream and I always had that ambition. So, yeah, and I, I think um, did I expect to be doing exactly this? Um, it was hard because when I was younger, I did go through periods of doing different jobs and having different passions. Makeup had always been on my radar. That was always there from very early on. But I went through a period of working with horses and I, for a fleeting time, thought I wanted to be a horse trainer. And oh, yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think once I got going and I sort of found my path was in that space, that creative space, um, then, yes, I, I probably would have believed you because I was just from the very beginning, I was very, very driven and that's just been my, it's been it's been in me and gnawing at me and um, it's it hasn't gone away. Like it's yeah. from when I very first started and opened my first store, I'm still as passionate today as I was then and that was 10 years ago. But even prior to that, I was doing hair and makeup and as a one-man show, I was a photographer and, you know, I, I just love the whole transformation Um you know, and I felt like what, although it's not saving lives, it was it was really important to people, you know, being a part of their wedding day and being a part of their special day and making them look and feel amazing. It was just, it's just a lovely job. Mm. So, yeah, I've been really passionate and um, and invested in what I'm doing from the beginning and still going, so. Oh, and I love what you said that you are still passionate about it because in an industry like what you're in, it can, and I've spoken to people that have said this, that it can get to a point of, and I'm sure you've had experiences of, you know, burnout or tired or fatigue or, oh, gosh, what am I doing? Why am I still doing this? So so for you, the the fact that it's been sustained and still now, that's it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that really does come back to that, to keep believing in what you're doing because it is, it is hard. There's times when you do have self-doubt and you can, possibly think oh am I on the right path am I doing the right thing and it hasn't always been easy there's been many times throughout my business journey where I have doubted um but you know every time I did have that feeling of doubt something really amazing would happen it would only be something little it might be a message from a customer or a client or Mm. so it would be um I don't know an opportunity to do something where we were getting the brand out there, and something would happen to just reassure me. No, nope, you're on the right path. Stick at it, and you know, keep going. So, yeah, it is about keep keeping believing in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and I also love what you say about like, yeah, maybe you're not, um, I don't know, saving lives like providing CPR or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you never know <clears throat> when you're on the job and what can happen. But not. <laughs> yeah, touch wood. But. You are doing something special for for people because I I live with a um, a wedding photographer mm-hmm. and she she's awesome and and I always hear the stories of you know wedding days or, or special events or occasions or whatever when someone is um 
transformed in that sense um, through hair and makeup and um, just that that sense of feeling so um, you know so special and so um, beautiful and all of that kind of stuff. That's a pretty special thing to be a part of. There's not a lot of industries where you can make someone feel that way through your yeah. through your work. You know. Yeah, and you know it's an honor as well. I mean, to be chosen to be the person to be with them on that really one of the most incredible days of their life it's an honor and it, it never got old or tired I still to this day you know would feel incredibly honored to be to be chosen to be the person to that they trust yeah. you know with their hair and makeup and and photography I don't do the photography anymore but the hair and makeup sides um yeah we're, we're still heavily involved um in service and obviously product these days I am more focused on the product development side um, but yeah, we, we're still, you know, incredibly lucky to be doing what we do and be involved in, you know, it's it's a very happy job. It's a very um, uplifting job. So we're really lucky. I wonder too how um, how saturated a market it is. I'm I'm, I'm less talking um, runway room at the moment, but I'm more talking just being a hair and makeup um, stylist um, for for somebody uh, for a wedding day comes back down to getting that first shot right like i mean if i'm somebody who's planning a wedding and planning hair and makeup you obviously look at oh this person's done this and you know you got instagram today and oh look at their work blah blah blah. but when you're just starting out and you haven't proven yourself yet um does that was that hard for you being able to say um to be honest with you i started in an era where there wasn't anywhere near as many makeup artists makeup really boomed sort of in the last decade Mm. um you know people in general can do makeup better on themselves number one because of youtube and you know all the content that we can access now so the general um you know everyday person has a better ability that's number one and number two there are so many more makeup artists because of instagram it's become a career that you know anyone can get up and running whereas when I started it was a lot more specialized and um sorry you're right sorry I do have a little three-year-old in the background um yeah so it was a lot more specialized and the market wasn't as saturated so I started in a time where um yeah there wasn't as much competition and it was also um easier for me because I had started out modeling and I already had relationships in that industry having said that in other ways it was harder because you didn't have social media it's so easy now to promote yourself as a makeup artist with social media because it's all visual so if you can upload beautiful photos of work that you've done you're going to get you're going to get essentially and and it's you know it's word of mouth but um a digital version of word of mouth so yeah in one way it was harder i guess but i think um yeah, the relationships really helped me get my foot in the door and and then, yeah, it just sort of grew from there. And with the wedding industry specifically, which is what I, that was the bulk of my business, um, that was very much a word of mouth yeah. um, industry. So after the first sort of year or two of advertising, I didn't really have to advertise after that. So Yeah, oh, that's, that's, that's really cool because, I mean, yeah, social media has been a great friend or a great enemy depending on your industry, I guess. Um, yeah. And I can totally see for um, hair and makeup, for um, photography, for um, even podcasts and stuff like that. It's such a good friend um, because it, yeah. Because if if you don't if you didn't have that, it's it, your options are limited eh, in terms of 
Yeah, it's a platform, a platform that you can get yourself and your work out there. And I think it's incredible. Instagram particularly is an incredible marketing tool for most businesses these days. Mm. What would you say then, just, just quickly, for someone listening now that is in the up and coming days of, say, something similar to yourself in terms of entrepreneurship, um, let's say hair and makeup, for example, but in hair mm. and makeup um, artists, for them right now, how would you say to best effectively use their social media? I think um, quality of content is really important. I think the biggest mistake I see young artists making is wanting to upload any work they've done to, to you know, be um, relevant and, and to be posting regularly. The biggest issue is with that, very often you may have done a beautiful makeup that in person looked fantastic. Yeah. If it hasn't translated in the photo, and that can come with a lack of experience in knowing how to photograph someone um, well, True. particularly makeup, um, then it can actually be detrimental to your business because if it looks bad, don't post it, no matter how good it looks. And it's really hard, I think, if you were there and you knew how good it was in real yeah. life, your vision. So, um, yeah, it's it, your judgment's clouded. You've got to look at just the images that you've got with you know fresh eyes and say is this going to attract new clients does it look good great post it so i think quality of content making sure you take time to get good photos mm. um, great lighting um video reels you know stay making sure you're using quality premium products all of those things i think um people take into account when they're booking a makeup artist yeah. um and obviously credibility you've got to be able to be very professional. You've got to be punctual. You cannot be late to someone's wedding day. All of those things come into promoting yourself. Yeah, as 100%. promoting your um, your reviews is a really another really good way to mm. to draw people in because they can if they can see from real customers that you are punctual. You know, you are professional, and all of those things that gives a bride that. Um, you know, ease of mind. Big so. time. I see that with my flatmate, who's a photographer. You know, who who work on its own is amazing but it's her personality and her the otherness that she brings in terms of herself to to the table as a as a photographer is what gets a lot of people over the line you know and it'd be the same with hair and makeup i think the worst thing that can happen is you can hire someone particularly photographer that's with you all day and if they are an abrasive personality or you just don't gel with them it can really ruin your day so Mm. that's a big one making sure that the person you're going to be with, you like, they understand you, they understand if you've got any, you know, um, issues, you've really got to feel comfortable. So that's really important. Yeah, no, that's huge. That's huge. Um, so tell me about how you turned your, your because this is the thing that a lot of people want to know is how you turn an idea or a passion into like from a side hustle to a reality you know what I mean like that's the, that's the word of the day isn't it side hustle everyone's got a side hustle going on or something yeah. going on. like I told you I'm a teacher yeah. but I'm doing podcasting you know but yeah how did you go from you know I love doing this I love makeup I love that arena I love creativity and beauty to now runway room like what was that process yeah so um, it did start as a side hustle. Um, makeup is often people's side hustle. They'll have a full-time job and they'll do makeup on the side and then yeah. until they're busy enough. Um, with me, I I basically trained myself in photography um, and makeup I had been doing for a long time. I'd done a couple of little courses early in my teens 
and then had really um, sort of fostered that side of, of my business. I loved makeup. Um, and I just decided, I think it was in a period in my life where um, I needed income. I had three kids to support. And, you know, with three young children, being a one-man show wasn't really practical because, uh, you know, there's only so many hours you can do. And anyway, I'd had it, I'd had the idea to offer that, that makeover service. So it started from, I guess, when I was modelling and then through to being a photographer, that service that a model gets um, before a photo shoot or before walking onto the runway where you've got a glam team that, you know, makes you look incredible. You don't wake up like that and, and it's the, the work of these magicians that makes makes you look, you know, flawless and amazing. Yeah, so yeah. I'd, all, I'd had so many people say to me, oh, God, I wish I could have you on a Saturday night or I wish, you know, for after they'd had that makeover and I thought you know why isn't that service available like at the time you could go to a hairdresser and you could go to to um mac or napoleon in a shopping center yeah but two separate services two separate businesses and two separate appointments so for most um busy people um working mums um you know career women whatever that was time consuming and inconvenient to have to have the two separate appointments and it was also expensive yeah so I had thought, you know, I really want to offer this this service as a combination, the hairstyling, makeup artistry, lash application, where they come in, we glam them and they leave ready for their event and they've just got to pop their dress on and yeah. they're out the door feeling amazing. And so no one had actually done it in Australia at that point in that capacity. Yeah, yeah, so there yeah. had been hairdressers that had had a makeup artist they could call upon, but it was it was really inconsistent. The service, the level of service would differ depending on what makeup artist you got. Yeah. And so many people had had bad experiences with makeup where they'd had their makeup done and they hated it and they would go home and wash it off. So I really wanted to create um, a consistent level of service that um, didn't waver. And I also wanted to create, you know, an environment where no matter which makeup artist you got, you were going to be able to get the same um, the same look. Yeah. So we really, we really cemented ourselves in the industry as the go-to for hair and makeup, um, and specifically for women that didn't want to look overly made up. They didn't want to look right. uh, like they'd had their makeup done. They wanted to look beautiful and they wanted to, you know, remain relatively natural. Um, so, yeah, we sort of have that signature um, runway look, which is, you know, soft, glowy skin, you know, eyes that pop, but keeping it quite real and, and authentic and not too over the top. And and that's sort of, I think, how it took off. And, um, again, going back to word of mouth, that was super important in the beginning when I opened my first store. Mm. That's really, I had no, no marketing budget at all. Um, I just relied upon people being happy with the service and telling their friends about it. And and that's how we grew. So That's so cool. And do you know what that tells me is that a, a, a word of mouth business grows that grows tells me that not only is the product authentic and um, effective because people love it um, but it also tells me that it is consistently good you know whereas I don't know if you've noticed this but from what I see with new businesses that pop up doesn't matter what the field is and this might be a mistake people make listening that are budding entrepreneurs is they go full market full blow up full this is us. Look how amazing we are. We've got three reviews somewhere, you know, um, and look really big from the beginning. 
but they haven't proven it through the work, you know? No, they don't have the foundation. And you're exactly right because I am so grateful now in retrospect that I didn't have a marketing budget because when we did our first launch of products, um, we had no marketing budget at all. So we really were, we sort of did this launch and it was like a, we sort of drip fed the products in and it was going through our own stores. And, and what that enabled us to do is really get our products right. So we had a period of three or four years of unofficial market research where, and it was me in store with my customers every day, full time using the products. And I really got to see what worked, what women loved, what worked on a professional level, what all my makeup artists, their go-tos, what they really loved in the range and what they didn't like so much. And so it gave us the ability to be able to curate a range that I know Mm. um, the customer likes. I know that they return for it. I know that it works professionally. I know that it, you know, it's premium quality. And so now we've established this cosmetic range that it's, it does. It's not huge with a bunch of um, shelf fillers and dust collectors yeah. with only one or two hero products. You know what we've actually gone to market with now is is our heroes. They're all our best selling products, and I've kept it tight. I think the other thing is trying not to expand too much too quickly, yeah. which I kind of did in the beginning, and I and I realised, and I've sort of reined it in and focused on what we know our best products are, and now we're starting to market those, but. You're so right. So many brands have a big marketing budget and they'll spend 90% of their money on marketing yeah. and 10% on the actual product where we really did it the other way around. We spent all of our money on product development and getting the products right and now after 10 years of <laughs> finally starting to to get it out there and, and now I'm confident in what I'm spruiking yeah. basically. And that's the cool thing too is that um, – you've touched on a a lot of us we just want to get there we want to get to say you're at point b right now in your journey because i'm sure there's so much more to go and there's so much that you still want to do obviously but a lot of us want to start at point b without going through the hard yards of from a to b you know the journey between you starting and to now um it's it doesn't just happen because a lot of people can go oh man alex so lucky look what she's got she's got this and that wish i had that well yeah but she didn't wake up with that no and the thing is too i think particularly in my journey um it was it was nothing but hard work like i worked in my salons um six days a week you know full time sometimes seven in the first year i was working seven days a week because we were, we were doing kids parties on sundays just to keep our heads above water <laughs> um, and so i did them myself and i you know i did that for the first few years and it really wasn't until probably six or seven years then that I stopped working in the salons full time and I would only go in on Fridays and Saturdays and, and do makeups when we were busy. Um, and then nowadays I don't. I don't work in salon at all. I, I, I'm at head office mm. full time. Um, but, it, yeah, it was incredibly um, hard and, and a lot of work and you've got to be prepared to put the hard work in. I think people just want to be the boss and they want to, you know, yeah. Glamorous and fun and exciting, and the reality is, it's just not. Even even when you get further down the road, and you know, I'm not in the salon full time now, but it's still it's still hard work, you know. Yeah. And you're pushing all the time, and you've got to keep the motivation. I think that's the biggest thing where people, after a while, do sometimes lose motivation. Yeah, um, it's really important to remember your why, why you started this in the first place. 
your purpose, why you're doing it, and that is what keeps you going. Yeah, oh, 100%, 100%. And I, I was thinking about this, you know, a, a big part of any business, and especially, especially in your business too, you want to make quality product. Yeah. At the same time, you are a business, yeah. I mean, you have to you you have to have turnover. You have to make money. You have to pay your staff. You have to. So, I, I guess my question is, how do you balance the um, the tension of making a really good product, which you obviously yeah. have, at the same time not cutting corners when it comes to um, maybe ethics, like you know, or sustainability or or quality of product. You know, you, you're trying to have a quality product, but you're also trying to, you know, not spend all your money. You know what I mean? Like, how, how do you balance that? Well, for me personally, it was sacrifice. And I I didn't take a wage uh, from my business for 10 years. So I've only just started. And the reason I did that, and people used to think I was insane. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was earning from my salons. So yeah. that's how I was surviving was from my salons. But from my brand, Runway Room Cosmetics, um, I didn't take a wage until recently and that was because for me, every time I thought of taking a wage, I would think but that money could be spent on marketing because we have had no marketing budget mm. or it, we could bring out a new product or, you know, it, it's another expo, it's getting out there. It's things like that I would always think, no, whilst I don't need to um, do it, I'm not going, I'm going to keep reinvesting. And I think the other mistake people make is trying to take money too soon yes yeah. you start making money you think oh yeah i'm making money and they try to they spend too much too soon whereas i've also learned in the last decade that there there's highs and lows and you go through periods where you're quieter and you need to make sure that you you budget for those times as well so for me i think it's sacrifice i never wanted to compromise the professionalism of us as a business mm. so therefore my personal sacrifice was I didn't pay myself and I paid to have great, great people in my team um, before paying myself. And that's, it's, I'm glad I made that decision now because, um, you know, it's led us to a point where we now are in a, a comfortable enough position for me to be able to pay myself and, and still grow at the same time. See that that's such wisdom and insight when it comes to good business, because you know, I've got a friend who's a, uh, he started a painting business, same thing, a couple of years through, he, he, all the money goes back into the business, you know, that, that value of, yeah, business comes first. Where did you get that foresight from though? Like, I mean, it's, uh, cause as you say, a lot of people make that mistake, paying themselves too early or, and especially you with Runway Room Cosmetics early in, in terms of, in the game of makeup, as you say, wasn't much, like there wasn't anything like that around. Where did you get that that business mindset of, you know, I'm not going to pay myself because it's wise to do this first, you know? Well, I think it was just, I guess, um, a decision I made. But because I was earning from my salons, yeah, I just didn't want to be greedy. And I thought, no, it, the to give the business every chance and every opportunity, it was just common sense to keep reinvesting the money back in. And so... That's what we did. We just, you know, can continue to um, use that money and uh, to better the business, to better the products, to better everything about the business. And to me, I think it, it's about the driving um, force for me has always been about the success of the brand. It's not about the money. And I know that sounds really cliche or whatever, but it's actually not. And 
yes, yeah. I want the business to make money. I do, of course, I want it to be a huge business. Yeah, yeah. But I want the business to have credibility. So that's why the decision for me was, well, I'd rather spend that money on making my products incredible, which is exactly what we've done. We've got the best packaging. We've got the best formulations. We've got the most sophisticated ingredients. And now I know that, you know, wherever I'm speaking about my business, I feel so good knowing that it is authentic. We mm. really are what we say we are. We're not a marketing fluff, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, I think it was just priorities and prioritising the business the business's credibility and the product's credibility first. Yeah, and I and I love. Um, I did. I had did have a uh, like a look um, online and stuff, and I love that whole idea of it being ethical, yes, but uncomplicated, you know. And I wonder if you could speak to that because I, I, um, you know, I can't speak to it as as a man, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I know from um, even uh, relationships I have with people and people I know, makeup yeah. can be. A scary thing you know for 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 women listening to this that um you know don't feel comfortable with makeup or or are too scared to um you know you, you know what i'm talking about that yeah, you get to that age is what i've heard when, when i was developing the products i'd heard that exactly what you're saying makeup's intimidating it's confusing um oh i've never really known so i've never really bothered that's kind of what i was hearing all from my clients you know from women that oh, this is the first time i've had my makeup done i don't really wear a lot um because i don't know what i'm doing that was the biggest thing that i heard and that, so that's why when i was developing the range it was really important to make it good and professional because it's what we use in our stores and for weddings and and what have you but also make it really accessible and easy for the average person to be able to go i want to look a bit better i want to feel a bit fresher i want to look polished when i go to work but i don't want to go through you know contouring and baking and all this ridiculous like it's so unnecessary to even the the amount of layers that you see people putting on it's it's unnecessary and so i wanted to make it really really simple Mm. and like demystifying makeup and making it i like that um, yeah yeah, taking out the the confusion and and all of that. So that was really important um, to me. And yeah, I feel we've done that successfully. We've had a lot of women that have converted to runways. Oh, I'll never go back. It's super quick and easy. Mm. Product great, and and you know we do what we say we're going to do. Like we we're not. Um, I think our marketing is very authentic as well. So we're we often using you know real customers direct to camera. There's no. Yeah. You know, yeah, no magic. It's it's all pretty, pretty standard stuff, and um, yeah, keeping it real and keeping it easy. Hundred percent. And look, I've only just met you today, but I already have that vibe: is that you aren't um, curate, curating something that's not real. You know, you are authentic, and yeah. what even in, in our conversation, you know, you're authentic in, in yourself and in, in your brand, and it is you. It's what you want for it. And I and yeah. I even speaking to that point of people. Um, giving it a go you know that whole giving it a go idea i can Mm -hmm. this is maybe a really bad comparison but i know um you know the no show socks you know i'm talking about they're like ballet socks or whatever but you they're the socks when you put shoes on you can't it looks like you're not wearing socks oh yes yeah yeah. so i grew up in a small country town and if i had been seen wearing that it it would have been the most weird thing right just just where i grew up moving to auckland all my mates are wearing no-show socks, you know, and I'm like, well, I want to do that too, but I feel awkward because I've never done it and I'll be seen yeah. wearing it. 
yeah. and you know, I can imagine that as a similar, and then I just thought, stuff it, actually, who cares what other people think? I'm rocking yeah. my no-show socks. But <laughs> I know it's a silly like um, illustration, but same for makeup. If someone has never worn oh, right. makeup or not worn yeah. much makeup, that could be the one of the obstacles as well. What are people going to say when they first see me wearing makeup? I'm scared of that, yeah. you know? It's so true because that is one of the most common things I hear from women is they don't feel like themselves. And what, what I always say to them is, you know, it's it's not that you're altering yourself. You're not trying to be something you're not. It's literally about enhancing your features, smoothing out your skin tone, looking. It's the same as I always compare it to when a man puts a suit on and has a shave and, you know, does his hair. It's yeah. about polish. It's not necessarily about being pretty or mm. vain or beautiful. Makeup for me has always been about being finished. So if I'm going to a meeting or, I, you know, I'm going somewhere, I would put a nice outfit on and I would do my hair and I would also do my makeup, whereas, you know, a lot of women would do the first two steps and for some reason, for reasons like what you said before, never knowing how, never being exposed to it, just don't do that. And so I've always, yeah, felt that it, it's just part of feeling good in your own skin and, and it's not for everyone. Not everyone needs to wear makeup to feel good. So that's, you know, that's something I want to clarify. I know some people just don't like wearing makeup. Mm. But for the women that are just intimidated, find it complicating or time-consuming, they're the ones that I love, you know, converting and saying, check this out, so quick and easy. And they're like, wow, you know, and yeah. they still look like them. That's the main thing, you know. Yeah, I like that. It's it's not about transformation in terms of looking completely different. It's enhancement. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's just about feeling more confident, you know, that's – bit of concealer, covering up your dark under eyes. Like it's just little things that, yeah, it's not about altering who you are. It's just feeling better about yourself and looking fresher, like washing your hair, you know. Yeah, 100%. It's something I definitely need after a long day of teaching. I can tell you now, the bags under my eyes <laughs> get yeah. so big. Um, concealer, that would sort you out. Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, I'm really keen to talk about your book. But before we do, just for people listening right now that are like thinking, okay, I'm going to give this a crack or even people that are already into makeup and want to try something different with runway room cosmetics. Where do we send them? Where would you send them right now? So I would send them to runwayroom.com, which is our website. Um, particularly in New Zealand, we don't have any stockers. I think we actually are on one of your online platforms. Um, but other than that, there's no physical stockers. So I would send them to our website, um, which is runwayroom.com. And um, check it out. You can book an online consultation uh, with one of our artists so we can colour match you and we can talk you through what the products, show them to you um, just from the comfort of your own home uh, like we are right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say that. And then, yeah, for people in Australia, um, we do have a list of stockists on our website where you could perhaps, if there's someone near you, mm. you can physically go in and try. Awesome. So interesting. I, honestly, that that is so interesting. Not just the whole um, the starting um business and just that business mindset but even makeup in general it's such a fascinating multifaceted conversation eh? that can yeah. carry on um but talking about multifaceted if that's how to best use that term um not only are you a successful business owner um and makeup artist but an author now yes i am yeah recently well actually it's not my first book it's not my first radio not my I first did, radio no i did do a book um about oh it was about 12 years ago now um which but that was more a photography book it was a coffee table book so this isn't this is a an autobiography or a memoir so yeah 
Now, we've talked about vulnerability a little bit in, in the sense of how makeup does that for people. But this is a book, as I say, you're not writing a fictional book. You're not writing a, a children's book. You're literally opening up about your life and the things you've experienced. And I want to say kudos to you, Alex. I mean, to do what you've done in terms of your business, but at the same time, you know, raise a family, go through hardship in that crazy hardship in that. Um, I mean, I've had, I've got four or five friends at the moment that have just had kids um, Mm -hmm. and they're all just beautiful kids, but I see them transform into parents and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, that looks like that rewarding, but so, so challenging at the same time, you know? (laughs) Um, What, what made you decide to put this, these experiences you've had and actually write about it? Cause I mean, that's vulnerability to the utmost. Yeah, I, I, the reason I decided to share my story was because of what I went through in my early life, like my early adult life. Um, in the book, I talk about losing my partner, the, the father of my child, um, in such a shocking way. And I then, you know, went through um, such a difficult time. And that experience is what Um, I think shaped me as a person and I think, you know, the book is titled Silver Linings and the reason I call it that is because although I went through so many terrible things, um, I do feel there's always a silver lining and the silver lining for me was that that experience sort of set me up to be able to handle other things that I I would face in life later on. So I think it gave me a strength that I didn't have before, um, gave me a new perspective and so I wanted to share that because I think the greatest um, thing that I could have heard when I was first going through the grief and, mm. you know, being a brand new mum yeah. and my own um, health emergency that had on suit as well, um, I wanted to hear from anyone that had been through something similar and I wanted somebody to say to me and tell me that it was going to get better because people around you that have not experienced it can try to comfort you all, all they like, but the reality is they don't know how you're feeling yeah. and nobody could, and I, I couldn't relate to anyone at that point in my life. And this was before social media. So yeah, obviously yeah. I did, I felt really isolated. Um, and I just wanted someone, yeah, to tell me that it will get better. So that is why I decided to write about my experiences was just to share what I went through and hopefully, you know, give hope to others that are going through something similar right now. Yeah, 100%. And I love what you say about we all crave mutual experience, you know, like we we crave when you're going through something, as much as your friend or your family or whoever can comfort you, you want to know what it's like to go through it and how to get through it from someone who has versus someone who is trying to discern what to say or how it would feel, right? Um, And that's huge. Yeah, that's exactly how it felt. And um, I didn't have anybody at that time. There was no one that I could speak to uh, that had been through anything. So I sort of blindly navigated my way through myself. And and I did. My mum was really um, instrumental in, in encouraging me to write down things at the time, which thankfully she did because the thing with trauma is you do block a lot out. And when I was right, when I was sort of putting together the pieces I'd written early and writing, you know, the more recent events, it was amazing the things that I had forgotten and that some memories that I was 
you know, writing about would trigger another memory that I just, things I completely wiped from my mind. So, um, yeah, it was lucky that I did journal a lot of it from the early days uh, because I don't know how well I would have recalled yeah. the event that I hadn't. How, did, did, did writing your story, did it bring up um, emotions that you hadn't felt in a long time? Yeah, it did. It really did. And it's funny because I'd, I'd, you know, I'd gone back and revisited the early parts of my story many times. I'd rewritten that over the years so many times, those first few chapters. Um, it was more sort of the, two, the two-thirds end of the book that I wrote in more recent times. But even still, just, yeah, seeing, reading it all and, and revisiting it all in my mind, as I said, it triggered other memories that I'd forgotten about. And every time I would read it or work on it, it would trigger a new memory that I had completely, yeah, wiped from my my memory bank. So, yeah, it was it was cathartic and and whatever, but it was quite emotional as well yeah. to revisit things that I just on a daily basis don't talk about. Yeah. So, and and but here's the thing though, like I mean, when you're in the middle of a storm, right? I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me, and maybe because I'm a man, and they talk about the whole man flu thing. But I really do get that when I'm sick. I can't remember what it's like to be healthy. I'm the worst person when I'm sick. Like I've had COVID recently, and my flatmates like oh, maybe I exaggerated, but I don't mean to. I feel like you know I wasn't like to be healthy again. But you do feel like that a little bit when you're in a storm, right? Not just sickness, but you know when you're going through rough patches in life, or seasons of grief, or seasons of trust being broken, and all that kind of stuff. When you're yeah. in that moment, you just can't – sometimes you just can't see. The light. The light, yeah. yeah. And people will be listening yeah. right now, and I don't want to give too many details away because I want people to actually pick up and read your book. But you have gone through, you know, trust being broken, grief, all of that stuff, um, really hard stuff. What would you say to them that uh, in that boat, like, I'm in a storm, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> I think my, what I would say is you're not alone and and there are others going through something very similar or have been through something very similar and just to keep moving forward. I think it's so important that even when you're in the depths of grief and you have this black cloud hanging over you and you cannot shake it, um, it's really important to know that there are better days ahead and that you will come out of this. And I think it's hard for me to speak to, you know, depression as such. My my traumas were all triggered by events that happened in my life and that then caused me to go through depression and um, grief and what have you. That's the most important thing is to, to know that there are better days ahead and if it's, you know, as I say, depression as far as clinical depression is a completely different thing and it's not something that I can really give advice on. But if you're going through a hard time and you're, you've had some, some terrible things happen to you and you're grieving or it's infidelity or, you know, you're suddenly a single parent and it's those external um, events and stresses are causing you to feel like you're in the darkness, that's where I say, you know, stay positive, keep moving forward. They will, you will come out of it. And I think that belief is what's important. It's it's you keeping a positive mindset mm. and knowing that um, you can change your path. 100%. That's yeah, 100%. and it's it's like we talked about earlier. Like point B is amazing in your journey. 
but to get to point B, there's a that is a journey, and it's you know the destination sounds amazing, but what you learn and grow and how it shapes you on the journey to that destination is is really important too. I think the other thing to remember is talking about destinations. Happiness is not a destination. Mm. There is no no destination of happiness. Oh, when that happens, then I'll be happy. Mm. You know, you choose happiness every day. You yeah. choose to get up because your life is now. And I think a lot of people think, oh, when I do that or, you know, when that happens, then I'll be happy or then I'll be content. And, of course, that that day never comes. That yeah. there's not really sort of even in business, like you say, like, you know, once you get to that step B, it's you're still moving and evolving and then you're trying to get to the next step and you're trying to keep your head above water to get there and yeah. it's a whole set of new, you know, issues. So, um, yeah, it's about just, you know, always trying to find that silver lining and look on the bright side. Look at it and, yeah, look at what's around you and what you have accessible to you 100%. 100%. What do you um, – I, I want to ask you this because – when you had to find strength in that season to not only keep, you know, working to supply, uh, provide for your family, but also to raise your family, where did you draw on that strength? And I know you might touch on it in your book, but just, just here and now, I'm just curious, where did you find strength in that season? I think necessity, because when you're a mother, um, you kind of have no choice, do you? You can't just throw your hands up in the air and say, you know what, I'm not getting out of bed today because, you know, it's all too hard. You have um, a responsibility to keep it together and you don't want to let that those external things affect your children. So for me personally, um, it was my kids yeah. that gave me that drive to want to make things better. I wanted the kids to have happy childhood. I didn't want that the outside stuff to affect them so that was probably my main motivation and yet financially um it was the necessity side um you know i i, I wanted to i had to, i had to be able to provide for my kids uh so yeah it was like it was sink or swim i guess yeah yeah and do you know what i love too is i love um, just checking what's been happening on social media for you recently and i've seen you reposting um, messages from yeah. people yeah. that must just bring you so much um, just joy knowing that actually this is helping someone because at the end of the day if you wrote this book and only even if it was only one person was just impacted by that that's a win let alone all these people that are sending you messages saying Alex I've read it and it just helped me with this or I've loved that that must give you a sense of oh it's, it's achieving its purpose you know Absolutely. It's been so incredible and has given me such a feeling of relief, number one, because I was really scared to yeah. put my story out there. I was I was scared of judgment. I was scared of, I don't know, I was scared of of just the unknown, I guess, and, and being so vulnerable and, you know, sort of airing all the dirty washing. It was something that... You know, the, the, the stuff later in my life, my marriage problems and all that, that was already out there. So it was really just talking about it from my perspective. It was nothing that people didn't really know in Australia anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was a very publicised um, time in our lives. So that was all out there. It was really talking about how it made me feel at the time. But the earlier stuff was, was something I'd never spoken about publicly and it was something that I was terrified 
to share. So receiving the feedback that I have received has just been the most overwhelming, wonderful, um, I'm just so grateful because that is why I did it. I wanted to be able to connect with people and to them to feel like, oh, I'm not alone. I get it. You know, she's she's been through something similar and this has now made me yeah. see it in a light and that's exactly what I've received. So, so good. I'm just thrilled with it. Thrilled. And, you, you know, I'm going to wrap it with this on the book is that People are probably listening going, what, what, what's a story? You know, people that have not heard it, what is the story? Well, you've got to go and read it to find out. And we love a subtle plug. Um, so once again, people that want to read your book, where yeah. where where should they go and have a look? So in Australia, it's in all good bookstores and department stores. So, you know, Target, Big W, Kmart, um, David Jones, and of course, Femix, um, and then independent bookstores. But it's online, so for people in New Zealand or anywhere else, um, you could get it from Dimix online. You can get it from any of the department stores that I just mentioned online. And you can also get it on Amazon, I believe, and it's available on Kindle. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so you can actually get the digital version as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, it's, okay. been, it's been amazing. Yeah, I'm really grateful for everyone that's already bought it. I'm super grateful that and just happy that people have connected with my story. Yeah, that's so cool. And I'll just say this. What I love too is it's not for you. How do I make some money? I'm going to write a book. It's been I'm going to share my journey. And th that's that's the cool thing, you know. Yeah, no, it's been it has been cathartic for me to have been able to to share my um. I guess, yeah, my my perspective, not the media's perspective or someone else's perspective. So That's good. been a, a big driving force behind it as well. Is to sort of, yeah, put things in my words and and yeah, it's been it's been um, very cathartic and, and yeah, I'm really really grateful that I had the opportunity. And, to, and to I just want to add to what you just said there. It's so important for you know not just um, women but men as well, um, young people, older people to actually find your voice on things because a lot of uh, you just mentioned media and, and how different organizations or even different people spin things that might not be necessarily true or exaggerate things to actually have a voice on your side of a story huge yeah. hugely important yeah. it is it's been fantastic and yeah as I say I'm very grateful that I have been able to do it and and yeah people are enjoying it so so good. Hey, Alex, before we land the plane, um, one of the segments on the, well, it's the only segment on the show, otherwise we just talk, uh, is the fast four, four questions. And these, these are a mix of um, listener questions mixed with, um, I always, I've got a tight circle where I say, this is who's, you know, we all have our circles. I'm sure you have your circle where you go to and say, this is, this is what's happening. Um, and I say, this is who's hopping on. What should we ask? What's like some fun, you know, fun questions to ask. So we've got four here. Yep. Um, and no pressure on no. these answers. Um, some of them you may have been asked before, probably. Some you might not have ever been asked, and you might think this is a cr crazy curly question. But anyway, the first one is, I'm always interested to see what people say to these. Okay, the first one is, if you could visit anywhere in the world, classic question, where would you want to go? You've probably traveled a lot, but where would you go and why? So... it. I'm actually in in the process of hoping to plan um, a holiday or a trip to Europe. So we have travelled a lot, but we've done a lot of tropical holidays and and America. I've done a lot of um, the USA. Yeah. And uh, so Europe, and the reason being, I just am obsessed with the culture, and particularly in Italy, and 
you know, their food and their wine and um, just the, the nature of the Italian lifestyle. I think we're really excited to go and experience that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, England, um, I'd love to take my kids there. My parents both English and, um, again, just the history and the culture and, and you know, exposing the kids to, to that sort of more European way of life. Um, yeah, so that's That's, that's a good answer. It. And okay. another thing too, it's connected to um, uh, family in a way. Like, um, yeah. as you'd say in Italian, like you were saying off here, favola or favola, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And even your parents in England. So for your kids to actually have a little bit of a, you know, this yeah. is where mum and dad's kind of family are from, you know. Yeah, exactly. So Brendan's always been very keen to to visit Italy because that's, yeah, essentially he, um, where a lot of his family are from. And then, yeah, with me, it was England. So that's hopefully where we're planning to go next. Awesome. Well, touch wood, COVID-relating, all of that stuff, Yeah, you can get there. <laughs> um, mm. It is weird flying in a plane after COVID. I've, I've flown a couple of times. I don't know if you have, but it's very yeah. strange. Yeah, only interstate, but, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's weird. same. Yeah. Um, okay, here's one. I don't know if how big a movie or book person you are, but anyway, this question is, if you could live in a movie or book world, Mm-hmm. what would it be so you know you've got yeah you could live in the harry potter world or you could live in the disney i don't know you know what would the what would it be um well probably recently maybe the encanto world ah, i don't know amazing oh it's just so gorgeous and delightful i mean that house with all the flowers and yeah. <laughs> helps you do everything i think probably the encanto house would be my choice because I mean, you know, the house does all the housework. And- yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a great answer. My kids at school, they're always, when we do singing, can we put on, Um, we don't talk about Bruno. No, just- yeah. We, oh, my God, that song is so catchy. I couldn't get it out of my head after watching that movie. Mm. So, yeah, Toby's singing it right now. <laughs> love it. I love it. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's the, um, the, uh, the, the writer of the music. He's phenomenal, eh? Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. Um, if you could collaborate with any... Oh, I wonder how I asked this. Collaborate with any brand or artist or person mm-hmm. with R- Runway Room Cosmetics, let's say. Yeah. Who would you want to collaborate with? Or I could phrase it this way. Who has been your favorite collaborations? I, I don't know. You answer that how you want. Um, oh, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> um, there's so many people I would love to collaborate with. Uh, probably some, I think for someone that would really tie into our brand really well would be someone like Kate Blanchett. Right. And the reason being is she's Australian. She's um, what we would classify as an ageless beauty. She's still stunning. Mm. Um, I think in her 50s now. And she's just you know, the way she wears her makeup as well, I think it's very on brand for us. She's very much flawless, glowy, eyes that pop. Um, so I'd probably think Kate Blanchett, but then from a younger standpoint, I think you couldn't go wrong with a Kardashian. <laughs> I think hey, every need to promote, you know, I think to reach the masses, to be able to collaborate with, you know, a Kylie Cosmetics um, to somehow do you know, Australian collab there. I mean, that would be insane for the brand. But from, yeah, from a credibility standpoint, I think someone like Kate Blanchett is just such an admirable woman that, um, you know, you'd love to have her representing your brand. Yeah. Oh, she's awesome. I know, um, I, and I really hope I'm 
unless I've mistaken, but when she, she's in Lord of the Rings, isn't she? And um, yeah, I think she is. She yeah. plays in she plays in the books. I'm actually reading the books at the moment, and for, for the first time, they're pretty. So Tolkien's an amazing author, and the way he yeah. writes is so just yeah. The way he describes things is beautiful. But she is described her character as one of the ageless beauty of Middle Earth. You know, she's oh, wow. described as the the most high elf um, and beautiful elf that's ever lived, basically. And oh, yeah. Kate Blanchett plays her. So perfect. What does that say? <laughs> um, great answer, great answer. And the last one, this one's on every episode because um. It's a great question, and I'm I'm always curious what people say, and it's this one. You've probably been asked this before in some way, and you've answered. My answer changes every time I get asked it. To be honest, but if you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, famous mm-hmm. or not famous, doesn't matter. Three people at a dinner table that you just have their undivided time and attention. Who would you want to have dinner with, and why? Oh. Um. <laughs> Oh, that's really hard as well. Uh, yeah, that would change so many times. I, I guess uh, a part of me would probably say um, Lonnie, who's who I lost early in my life, and and that's because obviously I have so many unanswered questions. Yeah. So I would probably have to say him. Um, but from, you know, a famous celebrity world, maybe... Um, oh, I don't even know. I, I, so, so many, many options, eh? <laughs> I just love Prince Philip, so I would have loved to have been able to meet him. Yep. And he's such an intelligent man and he, he'd experienced so much and probably, you know, the Queen or um, nice. someone that's just, you know, I, I, I think those kind of people have had life experience that you can't even imagine. You just look at their lives and the people they've met and, you know, the things they've witnessed, like, the Queen and Prince Philip had witnessed things, you know, that the last century um, and been an integral part of, of of our evolution. So, yeah, probably someone like that would be super interesting, you know. And then, of course, there's your stock standard people like Marilyn Monroe. Like you just yeah, love yeah, yeah. find out what happened to her and, yeah. So, but, yeah, probably I would say that would be my mix. It would be a very strange mix, mind you. It would Miss- be an interesting dinner, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, nice. Not nice answers. I, I've had people say things from Albert Einstein to to Michelle Obama to you know it's it, yeah. it, it's yeah. it, it's it's one of those questions I almost don't like getting asked because you kind of get a bit sad that you're not going to be actually have that opportunity. Well, you never know. You know, you, you might meet the Queen, but um, yeah, it's kind of like when someone asks you, "What would you do if you won the big jackpot at Lotto?" and you just don't want to think about it because it's just not yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Alex, it's been honestly an absolute blast having you on. And I love what I've loved about this episode is we've kind of talked about all sorts of stuff, but centering it in is that whole idea of people giving things a go, you know? I, I yeah. don't know if you've noticed that theme, but it's just that's just what's popped up for me is people not being afraid to give things a go, chase their dreams, um, yeah. you know, embrace vulnerability, things like that, you know? Um, yeah. And don't be scared of failure, I think. I think a lot of people don't chase their dreams because they're worried about failure. But I think you don't you don't fail until you actually give up. Otherwise it's just it's just a hurdle, you know, and you yeah. can overcome it, change direction, keep going. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's definitely a message is to just have a go. If you've got something in you that, you know, you're really wanting to have a crack at, just do it. 
hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, I, I reiterate that big time. And, um, yeah, go and go and check out Runway Room Cosmetics. We go back to the thirty-minute mark to find out how to find that, and also um, go and check out Silver Linings um, by Alex. And um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I know you've probably done media all your life, but I, I hope you've had a bit of fun today. I have. It's been lovely, lovely to meet you, and lovely to chat with you. And um, I appreciate you having me on. So thank you. Good